Good morning to everyone. So good to see you and to be with you this morning. Again, too, I would love to just say, commend our praise team. Thank you for reminding us again who Jesus Christ is and why we celebrate Christmas, his first advent. And we look forward to his rule and reign. We know he's reigning now, soon to come in glory. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. We celebrate Christ's first coming, his first advent, and we're waiting for his second. And in the meantime, we wonder what we should be doing. What, Lord, do you want us to do? And we're continuing our study in the book of Acts to help us know what to do as a local church, what God would have us do until Jesus comes again. This week I was remembering three ponds that influenced my life, were a big part of my life as a child growing up. Three ponds. Welder's Pond was a farm pond where I used to fish a lot. It was kind of mucky. It was in a cow pasture. Philgus's Pond, it was bigger, it was newer, it was clean. And when I was a teenager, I would swim in that pond after working, hauling hay to the barn and putting it in a hayloft. That was hot work. The swimming was great. And then there was the Frog Pond. <laughs> and the Frog Pond, the name tells it all. That's what we named it. It was stuck in this valley, just surrounded by trees. And it was, in the evenings especially, summer evenings I remember, it was so calm there. It was like a mirror, that little pond. You could spot the frogs and huge bullfrog tadpoles there. Oh, a young boy's delight. You know what it's like, you've seen it, when you throw that first rock on a mirror-like pond where you see a fish jump and you see the ripples moving out from that bullseye where it, it, scattered, it moved, the rock or the fish, and those ripples go out and you hear the quiet rippling against the shores it spreads. You've seen that. And there was a big splash in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit came, <laughs> a big splash. And there were large ripples moving out through God's people into Jerusalem. And God had said through the prophet Isaiah, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And the disciples were being powerful witnesses, just as Jesus promised they would be when the spirit came. The church was growing numerically. The Lord was adding to their numbers daily, it says in chapter 2. And the numerical growth was the results of their growing in faith, growing in love, growing in holiness, growing in unity. And we read in chapter 4 a few weeks ago how all believers were of one heart and mind and they were sharing together. No one had any needs. It was a great work of God the Spirit. The story of Acts reminds us <clears throat> that that same Holy Spirit is with us. And is at work with us. We believe the same good news. He indwells us and he unites our hearts together. And we have the power to grow more like Christ in holiness and to be Jesus' witnesses just like these people were back in the book of Acts. The ripples of holiness of the Spirit of God that he produces in his people, the church, is a spreading influence and it's happening today. And I need to see it. You need to see that, to remember that God is at work, to believe it and be encouraged in this day that Christ is at work bringing many to himself as we depend on the Holy Spirit. He will use us to bring people to faith. 
The Spirit is at work unifying our hearts in holiness so that we can spread the gospel. So let's think about those ripples of holiness that are impacting the world and how God wants to work through us today. David read in Acts chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, about Ananias and Sapphira. And we've been reading before that the church of Christ had been growing numerically. They were growing in devotion to God's word, to the apostles' teaching. They were remembering Jesus' life and death for them through communion. They were growing together in fellowship, and they were serving the Lord united in prayer. The driving force behind them was the Spirit of God that was uniting their hearts together. And the ripples of holiness were influencing them and the people around them. And it all began with fear or reverence for God. Now, or but in some translation, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, sold some property. They sold property and they brought the money of the proceeds to the apostles' feet to share with others. Their sin was not that they held back some of the money, but it was trying to appear as though they had given it all. It was the sin of hypocrisy. Trying to look like something they weren't. You might remember back when Jesus was still on earth that his disciples had been arguing about who was the greatest in the kingdom of God. They were worried about position. They were worried about status. And this was what this sin was, the sin of holding back money. They wanted to be in the we gave it all club when they really hadn't given it all. It would have been okay if they hadn't given it all. It would have been fine if cheerfully given 10% or 20% or 50%, but they wanted to look like something they weren't, and that is what upset God. That's what God judged them for and disciplined them for. They were lying to God. And when you lie to God's people, you're lying to Jesus. And God takes truth and honesty very seriously. And the reactions to Ananias and Sapphira's death is the important point here. Fear seized the whole church, all who heard about it. Great fear, it says in verse 11, seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. So inside and outside the church, people were talking about what had happened. What does it all mean for us? (laughs) The early church had experienced all the thrills of the Holy Spirit's coming and the love of Christ and the unity that it produced among all the believers. And now they were learning about God's holiness, his transcendence, his set-apartness. God had commanded them, and he commands us to be holy, just as he is holy, to be set apart. And fear filled them. They were awestruck. They were reverencing God because of what had happened. Not just a few people, but everyone was reverencing God. And that ripple of fear produced holiness or set-apartness to God, and that gave them great power. Achan's story back in Joshua chapter 7, maybe you're familiar with the story, is connected, kind of the same thing. The same Greek word is used in a Hebrew translation back in Joshua chapter 7. Achan acted like he was one with the Israelites. 
but he stole from God. He took something that was supposed to be dedicated to God. He was acting like he was one of the dedicated Israelites, and he wasn't. And God drastically disciplined him the way he did Ananias and Sapphira because the Holy Spirit or God was saying, it's either I'm going to allow the spirit of pride-filled posturing enter the church, or we will be holy because I am here. And the Holy Spirit did his work of discipline. Fearful reverence for God is so important. A lot of deep examination went on, I believe, in the whole church. Each person was taking time to investigate their own heart. Have I or would I ever pretend to be something I'm not? Does selfishness rule over my life so much to keep me from loving God and holding back something that I ought to surrender wholly to him? Am I advancing in Christ-like love in my faith, or has my love grown cold and a little stingy? The truth is we all come up short, but disciples of Christ take heart because be honest with God. Be honest with one another. God already knows the truth about what's in my heart and what my motives are. We can't hide it from him. Maybe from you I could hide it, but not from God. He always sees and knows. And I love what G. Campbell Morgan says. He says it so well. The one thing that made Christ angry, the one thing against which he uttered his severest words was the sin of hypocrisy. What scorching, blasting words Jesus spoke to people who pretended to be religious but weren't. He called them broods of vipers. He called them whitewashed tombs. He called them sons of hell. G. Campbell Morgan goes on to say, if we are in the midst of sorrow and we feel like God has kind of not stood by us, has not come alongside us, and yet we sing happy songs as if everything's okay, that's hypocrisy. But if we are sorrowful and tell Jesus the hot anger in our hearts, he'll be patient. He'll be kind. He'll move us into his life, light and draw us to himself when we're honest with him. You see, Jesus is the truth, and he never has made peace with a lie. But Jesus does make peace with those who are honest about themselves and seek his guidance and his forgiveness. So followers of Christ, we need to walk together in unity. Be reminded of what Paul tells us in the book of 1 Corinthians, his letter to the Corinthians in chapter 11, when he's talking about communion and coming to the Lord's table, he says we ought to examine ourselves, we ought to judge ourselves to make sure we're not living a lie, not being all we're pre uh, pretending to be something we're not, but being honest and true, because he says otherwise some of us are sick or even some are, are asleep, have died because of how they've been living, disciplined by God. We need to take that seriously. I refer to it often because I need to remind myself the prayer of David in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, we need to ask that prayer, say that prayer, think that prayer regularly, not just a minute or two before we take communion, but all the time, asking God to 
work his grace in our lives so we follow him. Fear the Lord's a good thing because that holy ripple, that awe of God, that reverence for God spreads out. And when we live honestly and truly, it'll have impact on those around us. The ripples of holiness gained, moved the church to gain a great reputation among the people of Jerusalem. We pick up the, again in, in Acts chapter 5, verse 12, the, the apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers were met together in Solomon's colonnade. No one dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, I love the way Luke <laughs> says that. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on the beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. Again, it's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit. And the disciples of Christ were doing great work. They were in awe. They were reverencing God. They were fearful of him in the right way. They were seeking to be more holy. They were examining their lives, and God blessed them and used them to uh, reach out, and they gained reputation, a good reputation among all of Jerusalem because of their integrity of life. What they were preaching, they were practicing. Their lives and their words were complementing one another. They weren't perfect. I mean, Luke just pointed that out about Ananias and Sapphira, yet there was this movement toward holiness, walking in obedience to the Spirit, and they were empowered by the Spirit. And unity was kept, it says in verse 12, and outsiders were regarding them so highly they wanted to join them, they were afraid to, but nevertheless, more and more people did anyway because the Spirit of God was drawing people. People knew God was with and blessing these Jesus followers and they wanted to be near it. Now it says that Peter, they wanted Peter's shadow to fall on them. Did, does that mean that when Peter walked by and a shadow touched someone, they were healed? Well, there's differences of opinion about that. But the idea is they wanted to be under the influence or near these Christians because they knew God was with them. God was watching over them and empowering them. They weren't getting glory. God was getting glory. There's that verse in Psalm 36, How priceless is your unfailing love. Both high and low among men find refuge in the shadow of your wings. And that's what was happening here. People were seeking to be in God's shadow by being in the very shadow of the people of God because they were living for God, trying to be consistent, living together in unity, in love with Christ and with one another. They wanted to be close enough to be under their care and influence. <laughs> These Christians were Christ ambassadors, they were walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of Christ, and they were serving Jerusalem the way Jesus had served Jerusalem, healing the sick, the demon tormented, the lost outcast who had been driven away by men's laws, religious rules. They were drawing them in. 
Never underestimate the power of your quiet obedience, your kind words, your good reputation that we build when we wrestle with loving Christ and obeying him and loving others more than ourselves. I know it's a constant battle to love others the way God loves us, but as we ask the Holy Spirit for help, when we let go of those lesser things for God's better things, we will see God work through our lives, little or big. Yes, it was the apostles who were the ones that seems to be healing and doing the miracles, but the Spirit was working powerfully because the church, the whole church, was in step with the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that's at work in us. We got a Christmas note this week from a relative of Leslie's, and Norma quoted from Romans chapter 15, and she used the message, and it fits so well. Those of you who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter. Strength is for service, not for status. Each of us needs to look after the good people around us, asking, how can I help? That's exactly what Jesus did. May God develop maturity in you to get along with each other. Then we'll be a choir. Not our voices only, but our very lives singing in harmony as a stunning anthem to God, the Father, and of our Master Jesus. What a beautiful way to put it. How God will use holiness as we're seeking to do his work. That ripple effect will develop a good reputation. These apostles were doing mighty works for God's glory because the whole fellowship was working together for God's glory, building up one another. So never think too much or too little of yourself because God brings people into our lives and he sends us into other people's lives to help them on their way. The youth group here at Grace Chapel knows the name of Chris. Chris was a friend of mine in high school. He was a new believer. He was a bold believer. He had more confidence to speak about Christ than I did. But I came under the influence and the shadow of Chris's life. He came into my life. God sent him my way. I can see that now. And I got a little bolder. I got and joined my voice with his voice. Joined him to invite friends to church events or to witness, just to be friends, to influence them for Christ. That's what we need to do for one another, spurring one another on to love and good deeds. Never forget what a little boy's little lunch did in the hands of Jesus Christ. You may feel small, not very important, but it was a band of disciples. Not just one or two or a few, but it was the church as a whole. The ripple effects of their holiness and seeking to obey and trust the Lord by the Spirit's power, not their own, that made a difference. As the year 2020 fades and the year 2021 approaches, what lies ahead? I don't have a clue, but God knows. And he's going there with us. He's sending us into that year together to demonstrate his power and his love and his goodness as we work together to save people 
with the gospel of Christ. By God's grace, we can be more honest, have more integrity, let our lives be more winsome and kind-hearted and courageous for Christ. Let's not be stingy, holding back, but maybe letting go of something and surrendering it all. And Ananias and Sapphira missed so many blessings because they were holding on to something temporary rather than something eternal. The ripples of faith and purity are powerfully attractive. There's a lot of other lessons in chapter 5, but I move on because... The ripples of a good reputation not only lead to people being attracted, but some people being repelled. Just like those ripples can move things toward the shore, can also drive people away, further away. And that's what happened. Look at verse 17. Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. And they arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night... An angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. The disciples' enemies had been Jesus' enemies first. Jealous persecution by the high priest and friends had all happened because the good reputation of these believers, followers of Jesus, were putting them in bad light. It was showing and revealing their hypocrisy. It was revealing that they were in it for status and power, not because they loved God. And they would do anything to keep their power and their status. They were gaining the world and losing it, the lasting blessing of God's kingdom. So these men hated Jesus. They lied about Jesus. And they had him crucified. And now they were seeking to do the same to the disciples, the followers of Christ. Just remember, they had seen the life of integrity that Jesus had lived. They'd seen his miracles. And they knew they they were true miracles. They'd seen the apostles heal. And yet, They chose not to follow. They were following the prideful ideas and attitudes of their father, who was Satan. They were sons of hell, not of heaven. That's an amazing trade-off. And Ananias and Sapphira, they were starting down that prideful trail as well, and God would not let it happen, so he graciously stopped them. Lord, be gracious us and reveal to me, reveal to us if we're headed in that kind of a direction, stop us and turn our hearts back to your perfect truth and your right way so that your name is lifted up and loved and glorified as our only treasure. So the disciples walked in obedience. God gave them a word of encouragement. Imagine having an angel come (laughs) and telling you, go ahead, go back and preach. Go back and declare the gospel because that's what Jesus Christ has told you to do and he is Lord and King. And just remember, people, God whispers those same kind of words of encouragement to you and me. It could be through a scripture that you read. It could be through a person who shares a word of encouragement to you. 
it's the confidence we get when we seek people, when we see them respond, when we're, we're honest and just good friends. God will work. The assurances increased the disciples' boldness. So they went out and they spoke. The Sanhedrin, it says in verse 28, was more upset than ever. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. And then Peter, spokesman for the church and the whole, said an amazing thing. They replied, it says in verse 29, we must obey God rather than men. We must. When you say, I must, People may disagree with you, but they will at least listen and understand that you must do something. Why did these disciples believe they must? Because their eyes were fixed on Jesus Christ. They were thinking about his death, burial, and resurrection, and his ascension to heaven. They were thinking about the promised Holy Spirit that came. So they must speak. And at this moment, when they were about to be killed because the threats for death were becoming very real, Gamaliel stepped in, God sent him, and he intervened and he gave a great speech that convinced the Sanhedrin to let them go. So what did they do? It says in verse 40, his speech persuaded them. So they called in the apostles and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. We must obey God rather than men. There's surprising joy in their suffering. Again, G. Campbell Morgan says, the flogging of those rods were as painful for the disciples as anyone else. The effects would not be softened by their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They would still feel great pain. But in the middle of it, they were rejoicing after being beaten. How so? Let us fix our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith, who endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Surprising joy and suffering because they had their eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. We're a very now-oriented kind of people. And we need to become a very now-oriented kind of people with our eyes fixed on Jesus, remembering what he's accomplished for us and sent us to do so that we don't grow weary. That heavenly viewpoint will help us fix our actions and do the things we know we must do now because he's soon coming back. Over 100 years ago, some people, followers of Christ, met together. They were striving to obey the Lord, and they said, we must. We must have a Sunday school in Havertown. And it became Grace Chapel. 
And the ripples of the life-changing gospel of Christ have spread over decades, not only in Havertown, but in cities in the United States and around the world. Do you think they ever imagined all that their ripples of their obedience to Christ would do or accomplish? We don't know half the stories. It's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The Lord Almighty says that. Ripples of holiness. It starts with fearing the Lord and reverencing him and asking him to save and to make us holy. And then faith grows and unity grows and a good reputation grows when we're living honestly with God and for God and with one another and admitting when we're not. Because that draws is attractive too. And then boldness grows because our mission is clear, because we must do this work, because God will impress it on us. Close with this thought. What ripples is God dispiriting asking us to create in 2021? Who is that person that comes to your mind that God may want you to influence or come alongside and encourage in the faith or bring to faith. An action you can do for a neighbor or a co-worker or a classmate, a fellow student, a teammate. Who is it that God would ask you to be a ripple of his loving grace and goodness and forgiveness through Christ? Let's be ready to obey the Spirit together in 2021. Let's pray together. Father and God, Lord of heaven, only you have the power to move mountains, to calm waves, to open eyes, to soften hearts. So Spirit of God, push us out and use us in your wisdom and power to speak and act more like Jesus, to have those effects, rippling effects of holiness fear of you and reverence for you and love for you. Oh, make it work, be at work, so that others can know your loving forgiveness in Christ. And we ask this in Jesus' glorious name, so that your will will be done in us and through us for your honor and glory. Amen.